Good morning and welcome to First Baptist Wimberley. We're glad to have you all here today. We love you guys and the online family. And uh, we're excited starting this new series in First Peter. This is our second week in the series. So I hope you're enjoying this. I hope that you're getting something out of it. And uh, feel free to let me know uh, how you're doing, where you are. Just reach out, email me, and, and we'd love to connect with you. So in this second week, where we came off Easter, we celebrated the resurrection, and then 1 Peter really kind of hinges on how important the resurrection is. So in this second week, we're going to be in 1 Peter 1, verses 13 through chapter 2, verse 3, and we're going to be talking today about living a holy life. So Sean and I were talking this week about what does it mean to be holy? I think that term is really misunderstood by a lot of people. Uh, and it, it kind of depends on whether you're talking about the Old Testament concept of holiness or the, the New Testament concept or whether you're thinking about a concept of what does holiness mean as it applies to God and what does holiness mean when it applies to me. So we're going to sort of focus on holiness today and it's important because really for the rest of First Peter we're going to talk about and examine what it means to live a holy life. What kind of God, life does God want us to live as holy people, as consecrated people? So we're going to start off today by just taking a look at what holiness is. We're going to work through kind of how do we get there? How does it come to us? And then we're going to end up with some practical application on how do I do it? If you know, Once I know what it is and once I know what the goal is, how do I get there? So Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible talks about uh, holiness as a chief attribute of God. It's a quality that uh, is discussed over 900 times in the Bible. And uh, the primary Old Testament meaning for holiness is a word that's translated to cut or to separate. So fundamentally, holiness is a cutting off or a separation or a calling apart uh, of a people or something that is unclean and making it or consecrating it to be something that's more pure. The Erdman's Dictionary of the Bible talks about holiness. It again says that the root word means separation or withdrawal. It's a divine quality. It's, uh, holiness is part of God's intrinsic nature. But holiness is absent from a fallen world. God is holy and God created the universe in his holy character, but we as fallen people are far away from holiness. Just being members of the fallen world means that we're not holy by nature. Uh, Erdman goes on to talk about the scriptures that say, uh, talk about the command, be holy as I am holy. You find that in Leviticus, and again, we're going to find it today in our passage in 1 Peter. This was for all Israelites, not just for the priests. Back in Old Testament times, sometimes the people would get caught up in, well, you know, it, it, the priests are supposed to be holy. They're supposed to be set apart. They're supposed to be doing things different. But we as people, we don't have to do that. And, you know, that's not much different than how we are today. Uh, we live in a generation that's like, well, what's in it for me? You know, and I, I think it's great for everybody to around me to do these things and follow these rules and act a certain way. But, you know, now for me, I just think I need to do what I think I need to do. Really not a lot of different from difference from the people in Old Testament times. 
uh, and they always wanted to say, well, you know, we, we understand that there's a call to holiness, but that's, that's for the leaders and that's for the priests. That's not really for us. And, and that's just not true. God wants us all to be a holy people. In the Old Testament times, holiness as applied to God was a signal of God's transcendence over everything in creation. God's character, his moral character, is perfect. God is perfect in who he is and what he does. God is holy in that he's utterly distinct from creation. God in his holiness is separated from us in our fallen state. And God can't look upon sin and agree with it. So God's command and God's desire for us is to become more and more like him, more and more holy, more and more set apart. Now, where does that put us in the world today? Uh, believers are a different kind of people than non-believers. Sean talked about last week in the gathering, what does your life look like because you're a follower of Jesus? If someone looks at your life, what are they going to see in you? What attributes will they see? What character traits will they see that set you apart from someone that's not a believer? And there should be a lot of stuff that sets you apart. If there's not, if, if you self-examine and you take a good hard look at your life and your life is pretty much like the lives of your friends and your coworkers and the people you hang around with that are not believers, it may be time to take a hard look at what you're doing because as believers, we are set apart. Now, that doesn't mean we're better. Uh, it doesn't mean we've joined this country club and the other people can't join and can't swim in the pool because they're not members. But as God's holy people, we are set apart. We should be striving for things that non-believers don't quite get yet. And hopefully, if your life is an example if your life does look differently than a non-believer that you work with or you're around or your barber or your beautician, whatever, hopefully those people will be looking at you and asking, hey, what, what is it that you have that, that seems different? And it gives you a great chance to talk about the, what you have. And what you have is a hope in Jesus that they don't have. But they can, and you can help guide them there. So let's go on this journey. Let's talk about holiness. Let's see where it comes from. And then we'll wrap up with how do we get there? Maybe some practical steps. And then we'll continue those practical steps in the next few weeks as we work our way through the whole book of 1 Peter. So let's pray. Father God, just thank you for the people that are here today. Thank you for them watching. Thank you for their families. God, I don't know where these people are. I don't know who some of them are. I wish I did. I wish I knew every person here uh, personally but you know them. Uh, God, one of the things that I th am thinking through today is the struggles that people go through. And everyone watching today is struggling with something. It may be small, it may be big, it may be personal, it may be a group struggle, but everyone on today is struggling with something. God, so I just pray for them in these times of struggle. I pray that they'll find your peace and mercy and grace uh, to help them get through these times. God, just thank you for what you do for us. Uh, thank you especially coming out of Easter. Thank you for Jesus going to that cross. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As I was praying, I had a thought that I hear people say sometimes that God will never give you something more than you can do. And I, just, I just shake my head when I hear that. That's just so untrue. 
God will give you things all the time that you can't do. But what God won't do is give you something that he can't get you through. So as we talk about holiness today, just think that God wants you to have attributes and character traits to help get you through the struggles in life that non-believers, frankly, struggle a lot more with because they don't have the hope of Jesus. So let's dive in. Our scripture passage today is found in 1 Peter uh, 1, 13 through 2, 3. So let's just dive in and read this, and we're going to come back uh, and forth to it. Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. If you appeal to the Father who judges impartially according to each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in reverence during your time living as strangers. For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other, from a pure heart, love one another constantly. Because you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like a flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow up into your salvation, if you have tasted that the Lord is good. So where do we get this holiness? Where does this holiness come from that we need to be aspiring to or striving for? Well, it comes from God, obviously. God chooses who and what is to be holy. In Old Testament times, you can go through scripture after scripture talking about the things that were in the temple and the areas of the temple and the rituals of the temple, things that had to be followed uh, to the letter by the priests. There were places that people couldn't go and things you couldn't touch and, and there were things you had to do on certain days. And, and these commands were all to get the people, the chosen people at that time to change their lifestyles and come to worship the God that, that they were depending on. So God chooses who and what. In Second Chronicles seven sixteen, it says this, and I have now chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there at all times. Secondly, God chooses and calls his people to holiness. God wants his people to be holy people. Why wouldn't he want that for us? Why wouldn't he want that great aspiration for us? Back in 1 Peter 1.15, we read the verse a minute ago. Let's just read it again. 
But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. Where do we get this holiness? How do we get this holiness? We only get it from God. Holiness is conferred by the Holy God. And this holiness is conferred through a covenant relationship with God. It's not something we get just because God thinks we ought to have it. Uh, It's not something we get because we earned it. Uh, It's not something we get because it's something we can pay gold or silver for. We get it because we have a covenant relationship with God. God wants us to be in covenant relationship with him. God wants us to do the things that please him and give him worship and praise and glory. And he wants us to do the things that will make our lives better. Back in Exodus 19, 5 to 6, it says this, Now if you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples, although the whole earth is mine. And you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. These are the words that you are to say to the Israelites. Looking at this passage, God is saying that this group of people were going to be different than the other peoples of the earth, just like we are today. The life of a believer is different than the life of a non-believer. Believers are called apart, set apart, separated from non-believers in what they do. Uh, We should be able to tell in our lives uh, someone that's a believer versus a non-believer by their speech, by their conduct, uh, by their service, mainly by their love, how they respond to people around them that are in difficult situations. And holiness is something that's given to us. Holiness is conferred by sovereign action of God. God does this on his own. Uh, we can't do this for ourselves. We can't do it for each other. Only God can do this through his sovereign action. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. So in New Testament times, you know, we read back in the Old Testament all the the rituals and the sacrifices and the things. We don't do those things today, obviously. So how do we in New Testament times, how do we as the chosen people after the resurrection of Jesus come about this holiness? What's our example? Well, our example is the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Hebrews 10.10. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Sean and I were talking today about uh, when Jesus was on the cross and Jesus took on the sins of all people for all time. That's almost hard to put my head around. Jesus put on himself my sin and your sin and the sin of every person for this 2,000 years and all people of all time. Jesus took all that sin on him and that would have made him at that time completely separated from God, completely far, as far as he could ever be from God. He would have been at that moment and still through God's grace and mercy uh, and through Jesus' love for us, he, he did that anyway. And so we get this, this holiness by believing and being in relationship with Jesus. We do it through a relationship with him, as it says in 1 Corinthians 1-2. 1, 
Paul's writing to the church at Corinth and says, To the church of God at Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, those that are set apart, set aside, called as saints, with all those in every place who call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both their Lord and ours. We do this by believing in Jesus. Going back to our passage, 1 Peter 1, let's uh, read verses 18 through 21 again. For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold. We don't buy this relationship with our money or our silver or our gold. But with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you. Through him, through Jesus, you believe in God, who raised him, Jesus, from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. We also get holiness and we're able to operate our lives in more of a holy fashion by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. When we become believers and we accept Jesus, we get the indwelling Holy Spirit to help us. I mean, the Holy Spirit's there not, not to make us feel bad or uh, to beat us up when, when something goes wrong or to beat us up when we do something that's sinful. The Holy Spirit's there to help us and, and correct and, and help us in our prayers and speak for us when we can't speak for ourselves. That's his job. Going back to our passage from last week, 1 Peter 1-2. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient and to be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you through the work of the Holy Spirit. So, how should we respond? How do we as humans respond to this call by God to be holy? In the New Testament, holiness is an attribute of God that the people of God are urged to reflect in how they live. How am I going to live a life that shows that I believe in Jesus and that I'm trying to walk a more holy lifestyle to be holy as God calls me to be? And in 1 Peter 2, the first three verses, it talks about this. 1 Peter 2, 1. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. We think, well, yeah, but that's some of the stuff we like. You know, we like to be hypocritical. We like to uh, sometimes be a little deceitful. But we can't be. We're believers, and we have, to, we have to act differently. It's not okay to have those things in our life. We have to put off those bad things. We also have to grow in Christ. We have to grow in our relationship with Jesus. We do that by, by being around other believers, building each other up, studying God's Word, we do it by prayer. 1 Peter 2.2, 2, like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow up into your salvation. The pure milk of the word. Study God's word. Study and read and study. God's word will speak to you. God's word is an instruction manual for how to live today. It's not just something that was good for the Old Testament people. It's not something that was just good for the Acts church. It's for us today. God's Bible is an instruction manual for how we ought to live. In Psalm 1, 1 through 2, it says it this way. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. 
You know, we think about that term meditate in Psalm 77, 3, it also uses that word. I think of God, I groan, I meditate, my spirit becomes weak. Uh, there's a passage of scripture that says you should meditate on the word of God daily. And so we think of that, we, we think of that term in, in our Western words, and we think, well, that means I ought to think about God's word. I ought to read scripture and think about it during my day. But that's not really the right translation of the word meditate. The proper translation of that word from, from Greek and from Hebrew to our words is to moan or to growl or to utter or to speak, to muse or to speak in an undertone or proclaim. Remember back in, in uh, the Acts Church times in the first couple of centuries, they didn't have availability of Bibles like we have. So the way they transferred the word around was by speaking it to each other. And God knows that uh, I will learn something easier if I see it, see a video of it, than if I just read it. So if I read God's word and just kind of think about it, I may get that. But if I talk it to myself, if I mutter it during the day, uh, be a hearer, be not only a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. If I remind myself and I speak on those promises of God during the day, that's really what the word meditate means. And it, it really will change uh, your relationship with Jesus if you'll do that. The last way we, we show that we're believers and that we're trying to walk in holiness is right toward the end of 1 Peter, 1 Peter 1, 22. Since you have purified yourself by, yourselves by your obedience to the truth so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other, from a pure heart, love one another constantly. Just love people. You know, it's, uh, it's okay to hang out with people that are not believers. You ought to hang out with people that are not believers. If you look at your circle of friends and everybody in your circle are believers, you're probably not growing like you could. Uh, and you're probably not telling people about the love that God has for them because everybody in your circle already knows that. Jesus didn't go to the people that knew all the right answers. Jesus went to the places where the unkept people hung out, the people that were sick, the lepers, the prostitutes, uh, the people that were suffering and sick. Uh, Jesus knew that those are the people that needed him. And, you know, there's a lot of people around you, I promise you, if you'll just open your eyes, there are a lot of people around you that need to know Jesus. And Jesus has put you there to tell them about him. So I think really today's lesson, uh, mostly how are we going to get our lives more toward the life, the holy life that God wants us to have? We're going to do it by showing God's love to people. We're going to reach out and love the people around us. We're going to do the good that needs doing. Uh, we're going to see somebody that's down and out. We're going to give them a hand up. I told somebody one day, they asked me, they said, uh, what, what do you want to be doing when Jesus comes back? And I said, man, I, it would just be so great that when Jesus comes back, uh, I am standing next to someone that needs a hand up, and I'm standing there with my hand out to help them up when Jesus shows up. That's what I want to be doing when Jesus comes back. I want to be exhibiting God's love to someone else. How about you? What do you want to be doing? Live a life that's holy. Get rid of these things you don't need. And love the people around you. Expand your circle. Be brave. Be courageous. Go places you wouldn't ordinarily go. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. 
and just go love people in God's name. Father God, just thank you for what you've said today. God, these people have needed to hear from you, not me, but uh, God, I hope you spoke to them through me. God, thank you for the words today. And God, thank you for Jesus. Sometimes, God, that uh, we don't know what to say when we pray, but thank you for Jesus is never gets old. So, God, just thank you. God, thank you for your constant grace and mercy that we don't deserve. Uh, we can't earn it, but you give it to us, and thank you for that. God, for all the people that are listening today, everybody's got a problem with something. Please just reach out and help them. And let us be the holy people that you call us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.